This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about um, something that I believe is, um, should be more in the church than ever before. Something we should focus on that would transform people's lives. And um, so we're speaking to Vernon and Himna a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I think more than ever, and this is a bit of a challenging topic, but more than ever, we, we see people growing up in our society that or emotionally and spiritually, sometimes you, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you meet a 60-year-old person, but you almost feel like you're talking to a 12-year-old, uh, somebody that has emotionally not grown up, or I remember going to um, my 20th, 20th year anniversary at school, not anniversary, a reunion, it's a reunion, the other day was the 20th anniversary, but um and I was quite shocked to see that many of these guys that I was in matric with, uh, they're almost exactly the same. They, they haven't matured as people, you know, still make the same jokes. They're married now, but they still make the same jokes about women and about alcohol and about other stuff. And I, and I realized, like, wow, what a, what a challenge in a society where we think we have sort of grown so much to a place where... We've arrived, and yet it's the most depressed, most lonely, most isolated world that, is, that has ever been around. People are struggling with depression, struggling with heaviness. There's, a, there's massive challenges on our society today. And, um, and the, the question is for us as Christians, what would make us different? What would, um, would it be more psychology, would it be more, and I'm, I'm not against psychology, there are some psychologists here with us in, in church, but I believe more than ever that the thing that will change people's lives is really God encounters. I see that in scripture, that people that encounters God uh, have God's presence in their lives, they radically change, and uh, more and more, I actually watched the whole thing that people said from the states where they did research on people that were prayed for physically hands were laid on them that uh, the neurological thought patterns in their brain actually changed after god touched them and um, and so uh, you know neurological thought patterns are those patterns that form because of certain thoughts certain ways it's almost like you know uh, it's stuff that just happens. So if you drive somewhere, you're used to driving, sometimes you need to go another direction, you find yourself driving in the same way because you, you're sort of stuck in a way of thinking or certain habits that have formed. And so more than ever in the church, we are challenged to trust God, and that's why one of the most basic foundations of our faith is the laying on of hands. Have you noticed that in Scripture? Is, uh, uh, is, is the ability to pray for people, the ability to impart to them. And so I want to take us to a scripture here that we've all probably read the story, but um, this is going to be sort of the main focus, and we're going to talk a bit about that in Luke chapter 24. This is after Jesus rose from the dead, and the context is that 
the disciples have had, they, they had a certain idea of what would happen. Um, and here, their whole house of cards came crashing down. Uh, it was probably one of the worst moments that the disciples experienced uh, is Jesus dying on the cross. M- most of them ran away. Most of them were hopeless. They had a certain expectation, and because that expectation was not met, they were very challenged. They were, they were sort of in a corner. And so we find two of these guys walking on the road to Emmaus, about, uh, you know, which was a, a, just outside of Jerusalem, and they had an intense discussion. And this is the story that we pick up after Jesus died, the woman came back and had a report that maybe Jesus rose from the dead and they heard all the stories that Jesus told. So they knew all the stories and, uh, and yet they were hopeless. They were sort of in a corner. So verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. So here these two guys are walking. Jesus joins them, but they don't recognize him. How's that, eh? How's that in our lives sometimes that because of our circumstances or because of things that happened around us, that Jesus is there, but we don't recognize him. And we're going to talk a bit about that later. But so their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. So, so the story is, these two guys, they, the, actually the original says that they actually conversed. They were arguing with each other. And so they, they had quite an argument on the road. So like, is, what is now happening and what's going on around us? And so uh, they were disillusioned because of three things. You can just read it there. Um, and, and I want to I take these things into the context that we're in today even, you know, when you hear the conversations of people around us, what are people talking about, you know? Um, and so we almost fall in that same trap when it comes to COVID, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to the political atmosphere. But so these guys are reasoning because they're trying to put the puzzles together, but they can't. And here Jesus is with them and... It's just so amazing how God is gentle. Isn't it amazing? He, he sort of walks with them, and then he starts to ask them these questions. So, so what are you guys talking about, you know? What, what has happened, you know? And so these guys is like, have you not been around, you know? Are you not, you know? Are you still, you know, you're not, 
you don't have a smartphone, you know, don't you know what's going on? You know, you're still with one of these old telephone diaries, these thick ones, you know, you're still trying to get the numbers in there. We, we've moved on. Smartphones, you know, be, come onto the page. But the three things, basically, what, what was challenging to them is the first one, they had a human understanding of the events happening around them, not a spiritual understanding. And, and that, is, that is the challenge of the church in the West. If we are going to address things around us just because we're trying to have a human understanding, we will miss God. Come on, that's a nice place to say amen. <laughs> okay? and, and we forget that because, hey, it's not, we should not think that what we are going through as the church or what's happening in the world around us, that it's just natural. It's just like, oh, y'all, let's, let's just see how this thing plays out. <laughs> no, no, no. The church should be awake. We should be watchmen on the wall. We should be praying more than ever. And um, we uh, have, have seen this in the past couple of weeks, just under the students and lots of the young people. You know, last Sunday we baptized 40 people. Three weeks before that, 30 people. We haven't baptized so many people like we've done in years. You know, just this year, I think 140 people in this church have been baptized. So people, it's amazing. People are just stepping out because, I don't know why, but young people sometimes are a bit more open to hear from the Lord, you know. And the younger, the, the more they are open. And so, so it's a challenge for all of us is what, is what is the human glasses or what are the spiritual glasses you and I are looking through? when we look at COVID, when we look at the kingdom of God. But if you just have a human understanding, you're going to be in trouble because then you're not going to recognize Christ. The second thing is they had their own agenda and that determined their expectations. They really wanted Jesus to rule. And that's what the guy says. Is that guy? We thought this Jesus is going to take over the world. He's going to bring peace to Jerusalem. He's going to be the Messiah. Um, you know, we all know that there were two messiahs prophesied in Scripture. The, the messiah that would die and the messiah that would reign. And so uh, what the prophets did and what the people did because of the oppression of the day is they turned it around. They said, no, the reigning messiah is going to come first and then the suffering messiah later. But we all know that the suffering messiah was coming first and then the reigning messiah is coming back. You know, it's, it's, it's so amazing to, to twist or do stuff or prosperity gospel when, uh, when you and I are in a corner. And so it is so important that we must take our agendas and put it aside and say, okay, Lord, what is really on your agenda in this time? And, and it is so amazing when we come and begin to realize that this is the greatest opportunity for the church to arise. This is... This is the greatest opportunity for us to reach out to our neighbors, to pray for our neighbors, pray for our family. This is not the time for the church to be silent. The church must have a voice, and the church has a voice, and we should not be passive. And then the third thing is they, they were struggling with this resurrection thing. So the rumors were going around, is it true, is it not true, is there, you know? Um, and you can almost see when we go back to that, look what this guy's answer is about who Jesus was. Just go one slide back. Uh, one more, verse 19. Um, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. 
So this guy says like, yo, he was a prophet. He was mighty in word and deed. But he doesn't talk about the Son of God. doesn't talk about the Lordship of Christ. doesn't say who Jesus really was. He says, this, this was a great prophet. And we had this expectation. We had this human understanding of who he was. And so my question, my first question to all of us is, how big is God in your circumstances today? Because what your answer is will determine how big he can be. Is, is, do you understand what I'm trying to, to ask? If, if you look at the Goliath in your life and you don't say, see like David saw the Lord of the hosts of the armies of heaven, then you will submit to the fear and the intimidation of Goliath in front of you. But when David runs against Goliath, he says, I do not come to you in my own strength, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of the armies of heaven. So I wonder, uh, this is one of the questions I'm going to ask David. One of the playback, you know, uh, stuff I want to see when I get to heaven. I want to know what was the conversation about when David went to pick up those couple of stones in the brook. He probably just said like, hey, be still my soul and know that he's God. Probably started there. Just like, whoa, don't panic. Don't. I would have started there. Don't panic. Don't fear. Quote every scripture that you can. The Lord is in control, you know. And then, But I imagine what God showed him when he was just walking around picking up those stones. Because we know through that story that he didn't just pick up one stone. He picked up enough stones for Goliath's brother as well. Brothers. He had a couple of brothers. And so, so the crazy thing is, what is your conversation with God about? Oh, Lord, just help me. Lord, just deliver me. Or is it like, Lord, show me how magnificent you are. Show me what you are doing in the earth right now. Because God is always moving. God is always doing things. God is always His kingdom is always coming. It's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. COVID cannot shaken shaken what how big english is that hey um cannot COVID cannot shake the kingdom of god so the question to you and i should be is lord where is your kingdom coming and how can i be part of that our theme scripture for the year matthew 6 33 seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness don't forget seek his kingdom god is moving god is doing things and it is it is just crazy you know We've had a couple of uh, students reaching out to the pubs the other night and people that just got saved in the pubs and it's rough diamonds, you know. They got saved in the pubs. Some wanted to almost attack some of the guys, you know. And it's just so amazing on a Sunday night seeing one of the guys here. His hair is like, I don't know, he's a, he's a, yeah, it just looks like he comes out of a rock band somewhere in the 70s, you know. But he shaved off all the, all the hair on the sides, and he's just hanging from the top, you know. So I wonder if the wind blows, you know. These uh, look like some look like a mushroom that's gonna just, you know, lift off. But um, it's it's just amazing to see this guy's two weeks saved out of the roughest of the rough, but he had an encounter with Jesus in the pubs, <laughs> and now he's in church, you know. And uh, and it's just crazy. That's the kingdom of God. God taking the most roughest people and turning their lives around. So, so the question is, how big is God in your life? I think it was A.W. Tozer that said, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think when you think about God is the most important thing? What do you say when you say who God is in your life? Is he your Abba Father? Is he the one who, you know, is magnificent, omniscient, omnipresent, 
big words is everywhere. Donnie, do you understand all those English big words? Hy is al omteenwoordig. Ok, hy is ooral, sy weet alles, al wetend en al omteenwoordig. Ok, so it is just crazy to know that God knows everything. And this is, this is the story that we pick up. Ok, so quickly, now we're going to take a quick break before we go on in the story. I want you to share with somebody next to you one encounter that, that you've had in your life with God. You've got one minute. Just just one moment where you where you just had, a, it was either a miracle that you prayed for someone or something that happened. Maybe it's when you got saved, so I'm going to put you a bit out of your comfort zone. But share one encounter that you've had with the presence of God, with God himself. Quickly, just, just where you are. Okay, so we're taking a bit of an ad break quickly. Great, who's still busy sharing their encounter? <laughs> these people are much more quicker than these ones. And they're winning the race. They're winning the race, okay? No, there's no race. I think one of, one of the most amazing encounters I've had is um, being in India. And uh, some of you have heard this story, but there's, um, when I got very sick. Now, I, I went to India once, and at the first time when I got there, I said to the Lord, never again. Now, Herman, we don't say to the Lord, never again. First time that I've been to India, I think was 2001. I've been to India 25 times since then, okay? So, so your one becomes a 25, okay? Never, never tell the Lord, never, yeah? But I remember lying there in a little hotel room. You can't really call it a hotel room in Mumbai. And the team went out to reach out, and I was intensely sick. It's just like I started to hallucinate. I wanted to pray, Lord, this is it. Into your hands, I commit my spirit now, you know, because I was just crazy, very sick, lots of fever. And um, I tried to get to the toilet to minister to the White Throne. You know, it felt like the White Throne Judgment Day because everything was like just all over the place. But um, so it took me, the toilet was probably about six meters. It took me probably an hour to crawl the six meters to just give you an idea of how sick I was. And so there, you know, when life and death is like you're on the verge, that's when when it's actually amazing to be a Christian because not one moment I fear death. It's just amazing to have a hope inside of you that is just so much bigger because you know the Lord to live, you know, is life, to die is gain, you know. Um, because this, this is, we don't live for this. We have an eternal focus. We have a hope that is so much stronger that's an anchor for our souls. And if you fear death still too much, you need to ask God to deliver you from the fear of death. Because that's just like graduation. That's just like, wow, this is, that, that's where we're going, you know. So yeah, I'm lying and I'm just like half dead, half alive. I don't know, in between heaven and almost into the third heaven. You know, I quoted all these different scriptures. And um, I was just saying, Lord, what, what, what's happening right now? Am I, am I going to die now? Am I not? Lord, I just want to try to worship you. But you know, when you're sometimes so sick, you're just like, for the... Ladies, it's like you are half dead for the men when we have flu. We feel like that, okay? Man flu. But um, so yeah, I'm lying and I'm just like, 
And the next moment, I just hear God's audible voice. You shall live and not die. And I, and I sort of like, wow, thank you, Lord. And then he spoke again. And after the third time, I stood up, was instantly healed, nothing wrong. I walked out and I went to join the team. Literally within 30 seconds because of God's voice. God's audible voice. It's the only time I've heard God speak audible. And um, came back three weeks later. We were still in, I think, no, we were not. We were Stellenbosch High School, still at, at, at church there. And an old lady in church walks up to me, Tani Helen, Africa. Some of you remember, Anton, you'll remember. Some, she was an intercessor and she said, Pastor, I just want to ask you. She lived here in Idas Valley, Idas Valley. She said, I normally look after my grandchildren, but about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, one morning I woke up very early and you were on my heart. And I phoned my son who's an attorney. I said, look here, I can't look after the grandchildren this morning. I need to pray for the pastor. And for three hours from 8 to 11, now what happened in India was 2 o'clock. Here it was 11, 11 it was exactly the same time. She said, for three hours I prayed for you nonstop. And the only words I prayed for you is, you shall live and not die. For three hours. That's all she prayed. And she said, well, at 11 o'clock I felt it lift, the burden lifted. And then I went on with my day. Does those words mean anything to you? Oh, I hugged Danielle and I said, I'm alive because of you. <laughs> you know? It was exactly the same moment when I heard those words in India, in Mumbai, in a hotel room. Stood up was in the moment when she proclaimed it. She said at the end, she just shouted, you shall live and not die. <laughs> yeah. And I stood up. And then I realized my life is in God's hand. But you see, that's real when you know God. And as a Christian, if you are a Christian, I'm not saying run after the miraculous, but run after the presence of God. Ask God for His manifest presence in your life. It will change your life. It will take away fear. It will take away the fear of death. It brings such an amazing peace in your life. And if we as families and we as the church keep on playing church, church, and we don't have an expectation for the presence of God, Jesus, with us, we're going to get into trouble. Because we're going to fall into human, the human understanding of things our, as our world is changing. So listen to this as the story goes on. Are you still with me? The guy's telling the story, verse 23, when they did not find his body, they came saying that there has also been a vision of angels who said he was alive. That's now the woman. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, now Jesus talks a bit hard, eh? Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. He actually calls them foolish. He actually says you're slow of heart to believe in all that God has spoken through the prophets. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 
And listen to what he does. He says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. So, what a crazy story. <laughs> so Jesus doesn't say, oh, I understand what you're going through, you know. All the self-pity, all the fear, all that stuff. Let me just be with you. He actually says, oh, you foolish ones. Did you not understand all what has been prophesied? <laughs> Are you not? Uh, get onto the page, you know. <laughs> it's sort of like we want it today, sort of like almost have an encouragement gospel. And we don't like it when God speaks like tough to us. It says, wake up, church, wake up. Come on. And nothing wrong, we, we, we know God loves us and there's an unconditional love towards us. God really loves us. But you know that sometimes God says, hey, get with my plan. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the modern day gospel, you know, we want to have a love gospel. God says, I'm moving and you can be part of that. Didn't he do that with Peter when he says, get behind me, Satan? Didn't do that with his disciples many times when he says, hey, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. And then many left. And then he said to his own disciples, the 12 among them, he says, hey, do you also want to leave? And then Peter says these beautiful words, Lord, no, because you have the words of eternal life. Sure. So just looking at, at the next slide, it's, he, he rebuked them. They knew the content of the scripture, but they did not accept the message as truth. There was unbelief in their lives. How many times can we quote the content of scripture and have our doctrines right, but we don't see it as truth, as redemptive? And so Jesus explains to them through all the prophets concerning the Messiah. I wonder how long that conversation was because there's a lot of prophetic words, you know, about Jesus coming. And the second thing is they failed to see God's plan in all of this. They failed, you know, he, he sort of explains to them. He says, look, yeah, I, let me explain to you because you're a bit foolish right now. You're not, you're not with my sovereign plan. You don't know that I'm in control <laughs> because your circumstances are overwhelming you at the moment. And you're listening to your emotions. You're listening to what's happening around you. And you're listening to what the people are saying. But hey, I have spoken. And I think one of the biggest challenges for the church today is we don't know the scriptures. We don't live by God's prophetic voice anymore. And even in South Africa, the, the prophets are silent, the prophetic voice. There's a lot of people that say, hey, I'm a prophet and, you know, kiss my ring and my prophetic ring and bow my knee and throw your money at the feet of the prophets. But I'm not talking about self-made prophets. <laughs> but these are prophetic people that must speak the voice of God in this time. Because that brings nations and people into line with what God is saying. And so ask God, Lord, what are the prophetic words you've spoken over my life? Not over my life, over your life. You know, you know what I'm, I'm trying to say. What, what are those pro prophetic words? And some of us must dust them off and you know, take off the rust and, and, and say, clean up those words and bring it to the Lord. Because he says, hey, remind me of my word. 
And we, over our nation, I think if we would go to 98% of our nation today, most of them would be hopeless. Just talking about the Christians, 98% of the Christians in our nation would be hopeless, would have stopped praying for the nation most probably, because we have a human understanding and we don't see the hope of God and the promises of God. Come on, be honest with me. I said it a couple of weeks, if most people would get a free ticket now to go to another country, if I could offer a visa, a free visa to most people in this country to go to another country, most people would take it, even without praying. Not saying it's wrong to go. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a state of hopelessness. And so God invites you and I to just like these guys to say, hey, Lord, show me your sovereign plan for my life, my family, our community, and our nation. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay, because we many times find ourselves on the Emmaus Road, you know. We many times see the same, and we can't see what they can't see. And so, let, do you want to, are we going to read the rest of the story? Are you all excited? Okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pick up some speed now. Thank you for enthusiasm. They nod their heads much more than you. Just everyone here, nod your heads. Okay, okay, it's, it's wonderful. Okay, now you're equal. Verse 29, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with him. So that's so beautiful. So it said, evening, Jesus doesn't force himself on them. He's just waiting there, walking with them, and... Um, Verse 30, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then something happened. Then their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Wow. Now, now we, we can almost just speak about that for many hours. <laughs> just this one encounter. If you are a Christian... And you believe the scriptures. Do you know how weird this is? Jesus sitting and eating with them. And the next week, next moment he disappears. Now that should confound the wise. And just like, whoops. <laughs> how did that happen scientifically? You know, <laughs> It's called a miracle. It's called the supernatural. <laughs> That's the Christianity we are part of. And so lots of people say like he took communion with them. I don't actually think he took communion. He just like, took bread and broke it. Maybe it reminded them of when he had communion with them. But isn't it amazing around the table? Is, he could have said at the, at, at the road, hey, come on, guys. Just like let me lay hands on you and pray for you. But that moment at the table when they're going to sit and eat, that's the moment when Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it, and suddenly their eyes open up. We need to invite God on, into our dinner table. <laughs> we need to acknowledge his presence because that's where the lives are going to change when we take the bread, when we just pray. Don't just pray ordinary prayers, but say, Lord, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're opening our eyes as a family to see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. Is that not a song that we sing so many times? Now listen to what their reaction is. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road 
and while he opened the scriptures to us. So the reaction was an emotional reaction, but they still couldn't see Jesus. I said, like, let's, let's think about what just happened here. He walked with us on the road. Our hearts burned within us when he started to talk to us in the scriptures. And we were so excited when we heard these scriptures. There was like something burning inside, and yet they couldn't see him. <laughs> That's a generation that struggles with unbelief, a generation that has not. They say, yes, we know the scriptures, but it, it isn't truth. It hasn't become reality in our lives. Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. And found the eleven and those who were with him gathered together saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. <laughs> and they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So this, <clears throat> it's almost like a bit of a weird thing because now they say, hey, The Lord has, has risen, he's come. And now they throw this thing in and has appeared to Simon. So we don't know if the other disciple was Simon, actually, or they're talking about something else. But all we know is there were these supernatural appearances of Jesus to people in certain ways. And then obviously when they were there together, then Jesus suddenly appeared again. And so all the people had different responses. You know, Thomas said like, hey, if I don't put my fingers in his hands, I'm not going to believe but you can just imagine the circumstances of how disillusioned this group of people were. They had all these human expectations. They were, they were really putting everything out there and then woo, all their dreams got shattered. But isn't it amazing about God's faithfulness? Isn't it amazing when we acknowledge Him? And, and so more than ever, one of those prayers you and I should pray, say, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to know who you are. Don't pray against your circumstances. Don't pray like, oh, Lord, change. Lord, just please take COVID away. I'm not praying like that. I'm just saying, Father, I want to know who you are. Show me who you are. Because when I have a revelation of who he is and what he's busy doing, then it's so easy just to walk with him. And sometimes he comes to sit at your table and he breaks the bread and then your eyes begin to open up. And you think like, wow, he's actually been here with me all the time. I just prayed the wrong prayers, you know. I think one of those moments that was probably the most embarrassing moment in my life because I worshipped Uncle Reinhard Bunker, you know. It was Jesus, Moses, Reinhard Bunker, you know. And one of my dreams was to go up to Nigeria and be at one of his big outreaches. We actually, Anton has been there a couple of times as well. But um, So here, finally, I save up a lot of money and here I go. And so he's sitting there in the middle of Nigeria. Five of us with him sitting at the breakfast table. It's just like amazing, you know. Two things that really challenged me. The one was, I thought like, wow, you know, I'm going to, because I listened to all of these tapes, these, you know, those cassettes, video cassettes and the stuff that you put, lots of the young people don't know. It's like a little cassette. It's got two little wheels in the middle. You put it in, you close a little door and you push play and then that, the wheels run like this. Okay. Young people have got no idea what a tape is, but it's like a plastic tape and it actually has a thing running. Okay. So that's like a tape player. If you go to the second hand shop, you'll see some of them. Okay. It's, you press open and then the little thing opens up. Okay. So some of you need to, to yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You use the pencil to sometimes when it gets stuck. Wonderful. Okay. Now some of you are not that old, but in any case, so 
but I listened to all of his tapes and it was amazing, you know, and I thought I I'm going to go to Nigeria and I'm going to hear new things. I took my notebook and then Umreina spoke about the blood of Jesus, spoke about the power of the cross, almost exactly the same as he did like on all the tapes. And I was a bit shocked because I wanted something new, you know. I wanted a new thing, a new prophecy. And then I realized, like, no, there's nothing new under the sun. The blood of Jesus still has the same effect today than it had pre-COVID. <laughs> the kingdom is still coming today than just like pre-COVID, you know. Our circumstances changed, but nothing about the kingdom changed. So I had to repent because I realized, like, wow, the gospel is still the same. It's still got the same power. But then the second thing is one morning, now, we, now we're praying. It's intercession before we're going out to the fire conference. And so, so he turns, and in this meeting, we're about 20 people there, five of us with his staff. And he turns to me, and he says, like, oh, see us, will you pray for us? And I'm thinking, like, whoa. <laughs> so I say, Lord, bring down your fire. Lord, just be with us today, you know. And in the middle of my prayer, um, Reinhardt says the following, no, we don't pray like that. And I'm thinking like, Lord, who was this group in the Old Testament that got swallowed up? You know, the earth opened and swallowed up. You know, was it Achan or what was that? I thought like, Lord, just rapture me right now. I can't believe this guy is stopping me. My hero is stopping me in the middle of my prayer. You know? <laughs> so he stops me and then he says like, we don't pray that God be with us when he already said he is with us. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. So he says, okay, pray again. <laughs> I'm thinking like, what am I going to pray now? And then I quoted every scripture that I knew. Because I knew he couldn't, you know, he couldn't stop me. I said, Lord, thank you. Greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you know? So I just put an and in all of the scriptures I know. You know, that you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten son. And today we want to enter. Yeah? So I just quoted every verse I knew. But then I realized like, wow. How many times do we pray as if God is not with us or as if God doesn't know what we're going through? Oh, Lord, please be, please be with me while I'm writing exams. Oh, Lord, please be with me when I'm going to, as if God is not welcome, and then we sort of welcome him when we need him. When Scripture says he's always with us, it's just whether you acknowledge him or not. Because he's always with you, even when you sleep. Are you still with me? So last, last thing. Their, <clears throat> what does it mean when their eyes opened up? Their eyes were completely opened, and they came to fully comprehend him as the Messiah, the Son of God, and the risen Lord. They could fully, say fully, comprehend. That's what that scripture means, that their eyes opened up. They fully understood who he was and what was happening around them. And if the church can say, Lord, we want to fully understand, we want to fully ask you to open up our eyes like you did right there with these guys, something would change. Our behavior would change. The way we see things, the way we respond to things. We don't react as the church, we respond. I believe God is always two steps ahead of the devil. 
He wants to show you way in advance what is going to happen. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And so the last slide. Every trial is an opportunity for our eyes to open to see what He wants us to see. Everything in your life is an opportunity to see who God is or something He wants you to see. So I'm just saying, Lord, open my eyes. I want to see. Lord, give me discernment. That's the two things I pray for the most because it says those two things are the foundation of the fear of God, discernment and wisdom. So pray for the fear of God so that you can see and that you can apply, have wisdom to respond in a kingdom way to what's happening around you. Then the fear of God is established. Wisdom and discernment establishes the fear of God in our lives. And we need that more than ever in the church. Lord, bring your fear back so that we'll fear you more than what we fear people or what people say. Sure. So some practical tips. And I want you to choose one, and then we're going to pray for each other. Learn to surrender your expectation. Trust God. He is faithful. See God's perspective on what's happening around you. Seek His Word. Seek the Scriptures. Live by faith. Scripture says in everything, and I think this is a, a key for us, is to give thanks in everything. Rejoice always, Scripture says. The joy of the salvation, I said it to the students last week, but we want to take off our belt, and we want to, as Christians, we want to put the belt around our head. We want to take truth and say truth is going to keep us sane. No, it's the helmet of salvation. It's the joy of your salvation that keeps you safe. And have a sound mind, not truth, not doctrine, not now how much you know. It's about the encounters you've had. What, what you know, and that's why share your testimony, share what God has done. It will keep you sane, you know, because it brings you freshness. And that's one of the things that, that I do as a constant in my life. I make sure that there are young, young people that just got born again around me. Because they love just knowing God. They just love the joy of their salvation. They just like. But when we get old, we get cynical, hey? We get negative about the things around us. And they know that He will never leave you nor forsake you. What a promise. <laughs> so I want to encourage us this morning that I don't, I don't know where on the Emmaus Road you are with God. <laughs> But ask him his perspective. Ask him his prophetic word over your life. Start to live in that space where we really value the presence of God. And it's not a yesterday thing or, yeah, 10 years ago I experienced the Lord in India. No, it's today. In his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's what the psalmist says. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.